I think it's apparent I've been kicked out of the choir since I can't stand with the choir anymore. <laughs> Galatians 5. Galatians chapter 5. This is the last portion of the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, but we're going to have to break it into two parts. Um, since it's hyphenated, we'll do it in two parts now. Self-control, uh, boy, like I said earlier, if it was easy, everybody could do it. Why is it that some people seem to be so self-controlled and have it together and, and others of us struggle? And we may have a struggle in one area of our life and maybe no, we think nobody else knows about that area of our life. Nobody else knows I'm struggling with this. No one else knows that I can't exercise self-control in this one or these two areas of our, of our lives. Yet the Lord knows those struggles. I mean, it's not as if he's, he's not paying attention to us. He understands and knows intimately those struggles that we have with controlling the things of our own flesh. So this morning we're going to attempt to understand what it is and to some degree how to get self-control. And then next week we'll look at what has classically been called the mortification of sin. The mortification of sin is how we kill sin in our lives. Because that's what we're called to do. We're called to get rid of sin in our lives. And part of getting rid of sin in our lives makes it easier to be self-controlled and to live in the way that the Lord calls us to live. So if you're able, would you stand with me today in Galatians chapter 5. Now I'm going to go back and start in verse 19 today. So that we pick up, again, the deeds of the flesh, so that we understand the contrast between those things and especially self-control. So, Heavenly Father, come upon us today. Open our eyes by the power of your Spirit. Give us understanding, not just so that our minds know what the words say on the page, but that our hearts and all that we are reflect your grace and the power that you've given to us to live and to demonstrate these things. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Verse 19, but the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousies, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. So you understand that's not a complete list. He just gives you a part list and then goes, and then there are other things like that. Of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now, these, now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires, if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become boastful, challenging one another, envying one another. This is God's inspired word for us today. So please be seated. And as you're there, turn over to Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7 will be there in just a moment. Now, as I said, if it was easy, everybody could do it, but in reality, nobody likes to do it. Uh, Martin Seligman and his colleagues at the University of Pennsylvania surveyed 2 million people 
in a study of strengths and asked them to rank their strengths in order in, in 25 different skills. And guess which one ended up at the bottom of the list? Self-control. Self-control. So the root of the problem of controlling ourselves is our nature. It's sinful. I mean, you just can't get away from that. Yes, we talk about God's grace and, and the power to do things and the power to overcome, but it is our nature to sin. It is our nature to be selfish, and we are fighting against that nature our entire, entire lives. So as long as sin remains within me, I will struggle to control myself. That's why we turn to Romans chapter 7, verse 15. And we think that, oh, but there are believers out there who don't have this problem, right? Well, historically, if we, if we work backwards in time, now we see one of the problems that Martin Luther had is that when he went to the monastery, he thought he had to be good enough to get in God's good graces. So he would sleep on the stone floor and he would fast for long periods of time and every once in a while he'd take out something and beat himself with it in an effort to make himself right before the Lord. And then he went and read Romans and, and it was one of the other monks that said, well, son, you ought to read Romans and see what you come up with. Well, changed his, changed his world, changed his whole life. And then we go back all the way to Paul. We think, well, Paul, here he is. He's, he's like Joe Christian, right? I mean, he saw Christ on the road to Damascus. He spent three years in the desert being taught by the Holy Spirit. He can do practically anything. We see him raise the dead and everything. And, and here in chapter 7, he says, verse 15, For that which I am doing I do not understand. For I am not practicing what I would like to do, but I am doing the very thing that I hate. But if I do the very thing I do not wish to do, I agree with the law, confessing that it's good. So now no longer am I the one doing it, but the sin which indwells me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For the wishing is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. Well, he wouldn't be describing any of us, would he? Cool. Hmm? <laughs> He's battling against the flesh. He says, I know what I should do but I, I don't do it, okay? And I know what I should not do, but I go ahead and I do it anyway. See, that's the struggle within Paul. Now, each, each struggle might be particular to the individual. If we look at our own lives, and, and um, this is, this is a, a, yeah, like, like Paul writes in Galatians and, such, or, and, and other things like this. So we might struggle with food or drink or work or stuff. We might struggle controlling our tongue, our anger, our, our lusts. You just fill in whatever it is that you have trouble controlling yourself with. And sometimes we exercise self-control very well. And sometimes we exercise self-control over long periods within our lives. And just about the time we think we've got that issue licked, we come against a stressful time, we come against a time when we're particularly weak or um, not focused, and all of a sudden we give in and we're not self-controlled in that area anymore. Now, it might be something large, like, I, I don't know, you, after 10 years of sobriety, you fall off the wagon. Or it might be something very small. But then we look back and go, why did I do that? Why, why did I not exercise self-control in that instant? Because sometimes that's all that it takes, is an instant to not practice self-control. We let our passions or sin get the best of us. Well, the presence or absence of self-control is one of the most determining 
clearest determining factors in whether or not or, or how you will do in the process of sanctification. Okay? The presence or absence of self-control is one of the most determinative factors in whether or not you will do well in the process of sanctification. Sanctification is that process of growth that happens over the course of our entire lives. Justification happens in an instant. You are saved. Boom. You are secured for all eternity. Now comes the process of growth, working out that Christian faith with fear and trembling. Here is the power of the Spirit to enable you, but it is always this, this mixture of the Spirit and Randy. The Spirit and Randy. The Spirit gives me the power. Do I obey? Ooh, some days I obey pretty well. Other days I'm not even in the neighborhood, okay? But that's the process of sanctification. In a perfect world, we would grow more and more like Christ each and every day. But our charts look more like this, okay? Up and down and up and down. And sometimes the downstretch might go for weeks or months or maybe years in your life. You can look back at a point of time and go, boy, that was a rough stretch in my life. And I really, you know, I was, I was struggling then. I wasn't, I wasn't in, in the Word. I wasn't worshiping. I, it was just a dry time. And then there are other times where you're growing just like gangbusters, and you think, this is as great as it gets. Okay? So there are ups and downs in our lives. Self-control affects how you will manage your time, how you will manage your money, your ability to overcome temptation, the development of godly character, controlling your temper, your tongue, relegating, rele, relegate, regulating your health, and most importantly, as I said, whether or not you will spend time with the Lord in His Word, your personal devotion life. There are a lot of places that, that we are all hit. Some people find personal devotions to be easy. For years, it was always an issue for me to struggle with. And, and it's not like, well, I don't have time to read God's Word. I mean, how much time do you need? What, what was said earlier? What did Julie say? It, it just takes a few moments to get into the Word, to read it, to be reminded of what the Lord says. And if we make that a habit and continue it all our lives, there's richness there. But it takes self-control to do so. Self-control will help determine how you're going to respond when you're angry when you're frustrated when you're upset how many of us have reached that point where we think we're just going to blow our top and then we we dial it back okay we dial it back the spiritual fruit of self-control is guaranteed it's guaranteed to the believer right back in galatians let's go, let's go back there and and look at it, make sure we understand it says it right in the list the fruit of the spirit is Self-control. If I could find Galatians. Okay. <laughs> there it is. It says right there, self-control. It's part of the fruit of the Spirit. Remember, the fruit of the Spirit is singular, so every believer gets all of these. But it's our job to develop this in our life. Okay? It's not as if God just zaps us with it and we have it for all of our lives. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be great if, if, if the Lord just went, you have self-control. But that's not the way that it works. He says, you have the power to be self-controlled, now go and develop it. Okay, here is the Spirit. It comes from the Spirit. You and your sinful self have no capacity to be self-controlled. But when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you have every capacity to be self-controlled. But it requires a lifetime of discipline. It doesn't just come once, 
and then you have it for the rest of your life. It requires constant attention. Might be daily, might be moment to moment in some situations. I mean, some of us have faced situations where we have to work so hard to keep ourselves in check in a certain situation that, that you're just exhausted after that encounter. Because all you wanted to do was turn loose. But if you go back a couple of those fruits, uh, what we find there, uh, just go back one fruit to last week. It was gentleness. Oh, gentleness. How you respond, okay? If we're not self-controlled, man, I just want to rip into somebody. But I have to be self-controlled. And then I have to go back and says we're supposed to respond in gentleness. doesn't mean I compromise on anything. But I respond to people in gentleness. Self-control is the, this is how we define it. Self-control is the inward rule or regulation of every area of our lives under the ultimate authority and control of God's Spirit in line with His Word. That's a long definition, but we have to get it all. The inward rule or regulation of every area of your life under the ultimate authority and control of God's Spirit in line with His Word. The Greek word for self-control has its root in the word for power or lordship. Therefore, it's a strange mix of our power that is given to us, but we place it under control of someone else. Okay, So it is, it is we say self-controlled, but it is enabled by the power of the Spirit, but yet we have to exercise it. You say, Rand, I'm not getting that. Is it our job? to do it? Does it come from us? Does it come from God? Can I just blame God when I'm not self-controlled? If only we could just blame God, right? No. It is our job to be, live self-controlled lives. The Jewish writer Philo described it as having superiority over every desire. Superiority over every desire. And it stands, as I read earlier, in contrast to the deeds of the flesh, which, which are just like people out of control. This is what they love to do, so they just do it to the nth degree, and they lack self-control. Paul says it is a requirement for elders. And as we read in, in Titus earlier, for old women, older women, older men, younger men, it's, just, it's required for all. All must develop self-control. Now, so we just say no, isn't it? Who said that? Just say no. Nancy Reagan, that was the slogan for don't do drugs, just say no, right? Can't, can't, believers, isn't that what we used to say? Just say no and you'll exercise self-control. No, it's not just saying no. But you have to say no in a certain way out of a certain motivation. Okay, You can say no, you say no by faith in the power and pleasure of Christ. In the power and and pleasure of Christ. We, we understand the power aspect. Okay, through the Holy Spirit, the power enables us to do this. For the, and the pleasure of Christ, Christ, there's, there is pleasure in seeing the body of Christ live in the way that the Lord calls us to live. And to live in a self-controlled fashion points the glory to Christ. Okay, If I just say no, if I just do the do's and don't do the don'ts, then what? Then it's me. But if I'm doing them for the glory of our Lord, if I'm doing them because and through the power of the Holy Spirit, then Christ gets the glory. 
Our lives of holiness will be lived for His glory and His purposes. Not just, so, I mean, you know, if you exercise self-control, there are a lot of dangers you're going to miss in life, right? There are a lot of troubles you're not going to get involved with. Uh, there are a lot of things that you won't do because I'm exercising self-control because I've read the studies and I know that if I involve myself in that behavior, there are dangers there, so I'm going to exercise self-control. You can just live a safe life. But we're to live a life for the glory of our Heavenly Father, for the purposes of Christ and His pleasure. Self-control is primarily inward. Secondarily, it is outward. It is primarily inward. Remember what Jesus said in Mark for from within, that is out of the heart of men, proceeds the evil thoughts and the fornications and all of these sins he goes on to talk about. All these evil things proceed from within the man and defile the man. Jesus goes on later and says what? It's not just those who go and commit adultery. It's those who what? Lust after that person in their hearts. They're just as sinful, okay? Because it flows out of the heart. So the paradox that we kind of wrestle with here is to be spirit-controlled is to be self-controlled. So our lives must be controlled by the Spirit if we are going to be self-controlled. So there is an active responsibility on our part. Let me read a little bit here from this, and you'll find this in Colossians, you'll find it in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, uh, this this. These references here. For this purpose, Paul writes, I also labor, striving. Keep in mind that word, striving, according to his power, which mightily works within me. And then he says in 1 Corinthians 9, everyone who competes in the games exercises self control. Everyone who competes in the games, remember in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul is equating the Christian life with athletics because there were the Pan Isthmus games at Corinth. And that was very well known. So Paul is talking about athletics and he's talking about the faith. He's equating the two and he uses the same word, they're striving. The Greek word is agnizomenos, which we get the word agonize from. He says, they exercise self-control in all things, those who compete in the games. They then do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we, what kind of wreath? An imperishable wreath. Okay, they're just doing it to get across the finish line first. We're doing it for eternal purposes. He says, he goes on to say in, in chapter 9, I discipline my body, I keep it under control, lest after preaching to others I should be disqualified. He said, it is an onward going thing, this agonizing, this stressing in an effort to keep my body under control. Now, remember the Israelites. And there they are, and they go, the Lord says, there's the promised land. And what did he say to them? Go and possess it. Go and take it. And what did they have to do to take the land? They had to overcome the people who were already living there. They had to go into battle. They had to do it day by day, city by city. So the Lord promises us things, and then he says, now you have to go and get it. Okay? It is yours. Go and agonize. Go and discipline yourself so that you may achieve it. Now, sometimes we have to exercise self-control one temptation at a time, one day at a time, one issue at a time 
in our lives. Sometimes it's just moment to moment when we have to exercise this particular portion of the fruit of the Spirit. So how do we strive, how do we agonize against these things in our lives? Paul says, again first in Colossians chapter 1, he says, I strive according to his power and the mighty works that work within me. His power. He agonizes by the power of Christ, not his own power. So if, he says in chapter 8 of Romans, if, I, if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. It is according to the Spirit's power. Not by might, but by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. Okay. Now it is the power of the Spirit, but it is also the, the efforts of Randy to do these things. Proverbs. Man, Proverbs is, is so good about this particular issue. Proverbs 21 says, The horse is made ready for the day of battle, but the victory belongs to the Lord. You get your horse ready. You get your horse trained, ready to go, but the victory belongs to the Lord. So the very concept of self-control implies this battle between a divided self. Like Paul, I know what I want to do, why don't I go and do it? Hmm. Christ says we should deny ourselves, take up our cross daily. That's part of self-control. Daily our self produces desires that should be denied, that should be limited, that should be held in check. Now, I was trying to, to come up with, with the, the illustration of this, and I came up with my dog, okay? Now, he's eight months old. I understand. He's still a puppy, and he's the type of dog, he is, he's, he is very strong-willed. Okay, very strong-willed. And here, and I see this out there. He's, he's challenged with self-control at this point in his life. We throw the ball, and I say, Chesterton, come. And he looks at me. And here's the ball, but there's also the butterfly. And there's also the bee. And they're the little kids playing on the playground. And you can tell he looks at each of them. And then looks back at me, and, and I'm saying, come, and, and there's this battle that's raging within him. He knows he's supposed to come, but the other things are just so inviting, okay? I mean, I, he loves to eat butterflies, and he, he tries to eat bees. I try to keep him away from that. And he loves to go and see people, but he's, he's it's this, you know, it's this little canine conflict that's going on in him. He says, I want, I want to do that, but man, this is cool over here. Dude, that's, that's the, it's, right now he's lacking in self-control. We're trying to help him with that, okay? But self-control is not legalism. Again, it's not do's or don'ts. Now, remember the book of Galatians was written to a group that was struggling with legalism. And, but this is not legalism, self-control. This is freeing. This is a response to the grace that is already given to us. So I want to live the self-controlled life because God has been gracious to me. And in that self-control, I reflect His glory. I live by His power for His good pleasure. Not that I can get into His good graces by behaving correctly. I've already been given His grace. Now I want to live that out. All right, Galatians chapter 5, look at verse 24. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. That's past tense. Okay, that's past tense. That's been done. Okay? If you, you know, I've been, what? Crucified with Christ. 
Okay, those passions and desires have been crucified. So if that has happened, verse 25 says what? We should live by the Spirit. And if we, if we live by the Spirit, let us walk by the Spirit. If we've been, those things have been crucified, yes, they're still existent in our lives. But Christ has paid the price for that. They have been crucified on the cross. So if we're going to say that we live in the power of the Spirit, we should walk by the power of the Spirit. Those things should be reflective in our lives. All right, so what does self-control look like? I have found some examples uh, of areas of our lives that we, we can exercise self-control. And, and uh, there are plenty of areas, but this is just a quick list for you. What does it look like? Well, it comes in various forms. Remember, if you're in athletics and you want to achieve a high level, you have to exercise self-control. Um, might be in the way that you train, the food that you eat, all of those types of things. Uh, exercise in self-control, like discipline. You have to discipline your body. So self-control, number one, might be running away. Think, what? Self-control might be running away. Even though the root of the word self-control is all about power, it might be the best thing to exercise self-control is to run. Okay, remember when you come face-to-face with temptation, what does Scripture say to do? Flee temptation. Okay, so exercising self-control might be running away. We all face temptations and sin in our lives. So we want to strive as far as possible to stay away from them. But when we come face-to-face, turn and run. I mean, there are plenty of things that we're called to run away from in Scripture, just a couple of them. We are to flee from a stranger. That's the one who teaches lies, a false teacher. We flee from sexual immorality. Joseph ran out of Potiphar's house when he was tempted. Flee from adultery, idolatry, flee from all kinds of evil, flee from youthful lust. The list goes on and on like that. Run away. Run away. Now, we can also flee from too much of a good thing. You want me to run away from chocolate? Really? That's, that's what it says. Proverbs 25. Have you found honey? Eat only as much as you need, lest you be filled with it and vomit. <laughs> Proverbs is pretty direct, okay? How many of us have eaten too much of a thing that we thought we loved and got sick because of it? Yeah, uh-huh, okay? That's what happens. Or, or involved ourselves in too much of an activity that we really loved, and the next morning we, we couldn't get out of bed because we were paying the price for it. And sometimes even in our minds we have to flee. And, and I mentioned about the sinful hearts that we have that flow, and, and Christ says we have to take every thought into captivity. Every thought. Secondly, self-control means we have to master our moods. No, let our moods master us. Most of what gets done in the world, most of it, uh, a lot of what gets done in the world gets done when people don't feel like doing it. But they know they have to go and do it. They have to achieve certain things. So again, Proverbs, a person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. Okay, city with broken down walls. Next, self-control means we watch our words. We engage our mind before opening our mouth. How many times have we lacked self-control in the things that we have said? And you know what happens when the word is out? There's no bringing it back in. There's no bringing it back in. Again, Proverbs, be careful what you say and protect your life. A careless talker destroys himself. The wise old owl say, 
The more he heard, the less he spoke. The less he spoke, the more he heard. Why can't we all be like that wise old bird? Okay. Self-control next means we restrain our reactions. We restrain our reactions. How much can you take before you lose your cool? Okay. Are you always on the edge? Are you always ready to flare up? How much can you take before you lose control? Again, Proverbs, if you are sensible, you will control your temper. When someone wrongs you, it is a great virtue to ignore it. Okay? Have you ever been wronged, ever been offended and just turned and just walk away? Don't pay any attention to what they say? Next, self-control means we stick to a schedule. Ooh, yeah, that's bad. Maybe a schedule... We're there when we're supposed to be, at least that amount, okay? We keep our word, we keep our promise. If you don't determine, but in our lives, if we don't determine how we'll spend our time, others will decide how you will spend your time. Ephesians says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. Self-control means we manage our money. It means uh, Dave Ramsey is, is a great example of that. You live like nobody else lives today so that you can live and give like nobody else later. Okay? Again, Proverbs. In the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil, but a foolish man devours, devours all he has. And my last one that I found, uh, just this short list. Self-control means we maintain our health. There are certain things that we don't do because we know they don't, they're, they're, they're detrimental to our health. And the only way that we can accomplish, the only way that we can achieve more for the Lord is to pay attention to our health. Learn to appreciate and give dignity to your bodies, 1 Thessalonians. Okay? So our self-control is powered by the Spirit, but yet I have to be involved. And that's the tough part. The Spirit can do it. Can we do it? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, these are, uh, self-control just can be, it has to be at the front of our minds. We have to work on it on a regular basis. We know you've given us the power and the ability to achieve it. But there's this sinfulness that remains within us that makes those things sometimes difficult. Difficult to control our tongue, difficult to control our thoughts. Difficult to control our actions or our attitudes, our anger, our jealousy. The list goes on and on. But you call us to live in a way that is different from the world around us. And not only have you called us to live that way, you enable us to live that way. The question is the exercise of our wills in that process. Make us mindful, Lord, of how it is that you call us to live because of the grace that has been given to us. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.